Good morning. I'm glad you're here. Please pray with me. Oh, gracious Holy Father, we thank you for the blessed occasion of the gathering of your people. Father, not just here, but across this land and across this world. Oh, Father, we pray that you'd be pleased by the worship of your saints this day. Oh, Father, our desire is to exalt your Son. We thank you for sending Jesus to save us. Oh, Father, hear our prayers. Bless your people. Feed your sheep. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please open your Bibles to the fourth gospel, chapter 7. The gospel according to St. John, the beloved, in chapter 7. And brothers and sisters, if the beloved apostle's narrative is chronological here, and it seems to be, the passage that we're about to read occurs immediately after some hard sayings of Jesus, including his affirmation of the scriptural doctrine of unconditional election, which seems to be the catalyst that drives away many that seemed to be disciples. And the scripture says that after he said these things, many departed and followed him no more. And you'll recall that after that departure, Jesus turns to the twelve and he asks them, will you also go away? And blessed Peter replies for the group. And he says, Lord, to whom Shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And so it's after this dramatic departure and the twelve's affirmation of their allegiance to Jesus, John writes, listen, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, that is, Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. His brethren, that's his brothers, said to him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world." For neither did his brethren, his brothers, believe in him. And Jesus said to them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go you up to the feast. I gotta go not up yet to the feast, for my time is not yet full come. And when he had said these words to them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brothers were gone up, then went he also up to the feast, not openly, but as it were, 
in secret. Then the Jews sought him at that feast and said, where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, he's a good man. And others said, no, he deceiveth the people. Howbeit, no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now, may the Lord have his blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. I want us to consider John's parenthetical remark there in verse 5. That disturbing apostolic observation, for neither did his brethren believe in him. The New International Version translates it, even his own brothers did not believe in him. Beloved, listen, this is amazing. This is disturbing. This is distressing. But John affirms here, though they were brothers, they were not believers. Brothers, not believers. If there was ever a text that causes problems for the Roman Catholic doctrine of the perpetual virginity of Mary, well then, this is it. Because the canonical scriptures affirm that Jesus of Nazareth had both brothers and sisters. He being the firstborn, the oldest son of Mary. Mark mentions brothers James and Joseph in Mark chapter 15. And Matthew mentions James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And multiple sisters in Matthew chapter 13. And here, John the Beloved affirms that James and Joseph, and Simon, and Judas, the brothers of the Savior, were unbelievers. Mark, informed by Peter, seems to be of the same opinion as John. For in his gospel, he records the view that Jesus' brothers had, that Jesus was out of touch with reality. But he had lost it. In Mark 3, 20 and 21, I read, Now Jesus went home, and a crowd gathered so that they were not able to eat. When his family heard this, they went out to restrain him, for they said, He is out of his mind. That translation. Even his own brothers did not believe in him. Now, what was it? What was it that the brothers of Jesus didn't believe? What did they not believe? I mean, they believed He was there. They talked to Him. They urged Him to go up to Jerusalem. Go up there and do some of these miracles. You'll become famous. Don't just do it out here in these little villages. Go up to the big town. So they knew Him. They had seen His miracles, but they didn't believe who He was. Now 
Now listen, beloved, I, I know, I think you know this, but that Petrine confession, that was a big deal. That was a big, big, big deal. You remember when Jesus asked His disciples, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? You remember this? You remember? Some say John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. This is from Matthew chapter 16. But Jesus said, who do you say I am? And the Bible said, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Beloved, listen, Peter believed. He believed. Peter believed even more than he understood. He believed that Jesus was the Christ, Christos, Messiah, anointed one, King. He believed that Jesus was the Son of the living God. Hawiasta Theo. Son of God. Listen, Trinitarian theology had not even been documented yet. But Peter associated Jesus with God. By divine revelation, Peter understood and believed that Jesus of Nazareth was related to God. That He was His very Son the offspring of God Almighty here with me. And listen, I don't want to read something onto or into the text that isn't there, but I think I detect some amazement in the Savior such that He's basically saying, wow, like He did with that centurion. You remember? I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. It's almost like he's here saying, wow, Peter, you're blessed. You're blessed, Peter. You're greatly blessed because nobody could have shown you that except Almighty God. And He's revealed it to you. Peter says, or Peter, Jesus says, and I'll paraphrase, you are the recipient of a divine revelation. God the Father has showed you that I am His Son. Wow! Peter's confession, friend, was a big deal. For you see, even Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in Him. According to Holy Scripture, we believe that later, sometime later, Jesus' brothers came to believe. They came to be believers. Recall that immediately before His ascension, Jesus instructed His disciples to tarry, to wait in the city of Jerusalem until they were clothed or endued with power 
from on high. And they did. They obeyed. In, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we read, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. His brothers were there. The brothers of Jesus were there, waiting with his disciples. As Jesus had commanded, the brothers were there. Then in the Pauline Gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, the great Apostle Paul records that after his resurrection, Jesus was seen, quote, of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James. Then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5 through 8. So, listen, after his resurrection, Jesus revealed himself to at least one of his brothers personally. He was seen of James, verse 7. Then of all the apostles. Praise God. Praise God that the brothers of Jesus did not remain in unbelief. And the tradition of Christian history affirms that it was James, the brother of Jesus, who was the first bishop of the church at Jerusalem. You remember that big church where they had the council? But beloved, listen, though I'm glad... Very glad that the brothers of Jesus came to be believers. Their unbelief troubles me. It's troubling. For listen, it shows how hard and obstinate can be the hearts of men. And I am a man. And you are men and women. Consider James and Joseph, or Joseph, and Simon, and Judas. These little brothers had grown up with Jesus. They worked with Him. They played with Him. They thought they knew Him. They thought they were His people. They knew He had some power. But listen... They had no idea who he really was. They wanted him to go up to Jerusalem and show off. They probably wanted him to become politically active. You know, to lead some zealots, to throw off the Roman yoke. Or something like that. But they didn't believe. They didn't understand. Friend, listen, can you see, can you see that close proximity to Jesus doesn't guarantee belief? Proximity to the Savior, even close proximity, it's not the same thing as saving faith. These were his brothers who slept in the same house, who ate around the same table. 
who knew that he was not like them. They had to know. They never saw him sin. You know how I know that? Because he never sinned. He wasn't like them. Our brother's different. They knew some things about him, but they didn't believe in him. If we could speak to James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and ask them, do you believe in your brother? What do you think they'd say? Well, sure. Sure, that's why we want him to go up to Jerusalem. We believe in him. We want other folks to see what he can do. We want his outreach to expand. And yet, and yet, Holy Scripture right here says, even his own brothers did not believe in him. They didn't believe. Let me listen, listen. This is why we should ask ourselves about the Jesus that we believe in. You see, it's not good enough to have your own personal Jesus. Like Depeche Mode. For you could have your own personal Jesus, and if he's not the Jesus that Peter knew, you'd still be an unbeliever. Can you see that? You'd believe in your own personal Jesus and not the Jesus that saves. Brother Mike, I know several other Mikes, and they're not you. Brother Bill, I know several other Bills, and they're not you. Just because, listen, just because someone says the name Jesus does not make them a believer. Somebody should say amen. You know, Madonna wears a cross. And so does Ozzy. Beloved, listen, the Jesus that we must know, the Jesus that we must believe in is the Son of the living God. The Jesus that we must believe in is the King of kings. The Jesus that we must believe in is the Messiah of the Jews and the light of all who have ever been enlightened. The Jesus that we must believe in is God. Charles Wesley's beautiful Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, says this, listen. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold Him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Jesus, God with us. Saints, listen. 
I believe that we dishearten our Savior when we expect things from Him that are not part of His agenda. That makes sense? When we when we want when what we want from Jesus is power and prosperity and success, well probably just like his brothers. Yeah, we want you to go up there, Jerusalem, and press some folks. Yeah, that's our that's our big brother. They thought they loved him. He was their older brother, but their plans and their priorities were very different. Very different from his. The agenda of Jesus, listen, the agenda of Jesus was not worldly power and success and prosperity. The agenda of Jesus, the mission statement of Jesus was spelled out by Gabriel to Jesus' stepfather Joseph when the archangel told him, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, which means Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.21 That's the Christological agenda. Jesus didn't come to bring us worldly power. He came to set us free from slavery to sin. To empower us to resist and overcome its dominion. That's the power He came to bring us. He didn't come to bring us worldly success. He came to overcome the world, even to bring us joy, even cheer He said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Jesus didn't come to bring us worldly prosperity. He came to bring us, listen, eternal riches, abundant life, even everlasting life incorruptible treasure in His kingdom. He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, verse 16. He said, Give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Matthew 19. Verse 21. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And beloved, you and I were lost. Friend, He came to seek us and to save us. Do you? Do you believe in Him? Saints, I'm concerned about how a lot of things are going on here on earth. Especially in the United States of America, in Texas. But Christianity is all about Jesus. 
And nations rise and nations fall. We've had a pretty good run here. But everything we've experienced here is just a dot on a timeline. And Jesus is building a kingdom that will last forever. I reminded you about what Gabriel told Joseph, but listen to what Gabriel told Mary. Words of angels, Eric. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Luke 1 verses 31 through 33. Beloved, listen. It's not yet to come. It's currently underway. I say the kingship and kingdom, kingly dominion of Jesus is not yet to come. It's currently underway. In his sermon in Acts chapter 2, Peter teaches clearly that Jesus has been enthroned at the right hand of the majesty on high and that God is currently subduing Jesus' enemies and putting them all under his feet. And according to Peter, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is the affirmation and evidence that Christ is enthroned on high. For Peter said, Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on a throne, on his throne, he, that is David, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, He, that is Jesus, hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear. Acts 2, verses 29 through 33. Evidence! He's enthroned on high. And He's doing exactly what He said He would do. Sending the Comforter. Do you believe in Jesus? What do you believe about Him? Consider this, friend. Did Pontius Pilate believe in Jesus? He heard that Jesus was a king, the king of another world. 
But Pilate didn't believe. Pilate had no idea who he was dealing with. No idea. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God hath ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But... God hath revealed them to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, even the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. You hear people quote that text all the time and say, I hath not seen or ear heard the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. It's like it's, it's still a secret. But the very next verse tells us He's already revealed that great secret to us, to Christians. We know. You know what we know? We know who Jesus is. Friends, listen. What was the difference between James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? You know, the brothers of Jesus. What was the difference between them and Peter? Well, they were unbelievers. Peter was a believer. That was the difference. That was the difference. And listen, what made the difference? What made the difference? Well, according to Jesus, God Almighty made the difference. Peter was a believer. But why? Divine revelation. Jesus says, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, Peter, but my Father, which is in heaven. How do you know that, Peter? You couldn't know. Nobody, no man could have told you. This is a God thing. The difference between James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and Peter was divine revelation. So how precious is that Pauline affirmation that after His resurrection, Jesus was seen of James. And friend, what was that? but divine revelation. Brother, brother, believer. Doctrine, truth, ethics, these things are all very, very important. Listen, Christianity is all about Jesus. And the way a person becomes a Christian is by faith, by believing, by believing in Jesus, that He is who He said He is, and that He's doing what He said He's doing. He's a King. 
the Christ, the Son of God. And He's saving His people from their sin and from death. And He's doing it all for the glory of God the Father and all for the good of His bride. There's another phrase that Jesus used. Excuse me. A phrase he used in an encounter that he had with a good man. That's more than a little troubling to me. You can turn or just listen to this passage from Mark chapter 12. Listen, the Bible says, One of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love His neighbor as Himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that He answered discreetly, Jesus said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. Mark 12, verses 28 through 34. Now, let me ask you something. Is that phrase, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, is that a good thing or a bad thing? You see, definitely this scribe was not far from the kingdom. I mean, the king was sitting right there in front of him. He was not far from the kingdom. He wasn't far at all, but he wasn't in the kingdom. Now consider another man. And this is from Luke chapter 23. The Bible says, Two others who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with Him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified Him and the criminals, one on His right hand and one on His left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide His garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at Him saying, He saved others. Let Him save Himself, if He is the Christ of God, His chosen one. The soldiers also mocked Him, coming up and offering Him sour wine and saying, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. 
There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And the criminal said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 22, verses 32 through 43. Now, beloved, listen. Who was in better shape? That scribe to whom Jesus said, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, or that dying thief to whom Jesus said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I want to be in your kingdom. You're in today. I think the dying thief was in a better place. I think he's the one that was in the better shape. He asked to be in Christ's kingdom and Jesus said, you're in. You're in. And to the scribe, Jesus said, you're close. You're close, but you ain't in. Now, beloved, listen. Please listen. I don't want you to be close to the kingdom of God. I want you to be in it. I want you to be in it. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to this kingdom. So I say with Paul and Silas, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16.31 Friend, listen. Believe in Jesus. Believe on Jesus. Jesus saves. And listen, don't think, friend, don't think that being close to Jesus, you know, like a brother... Don't think that'll save you. His brothers were not saved until they believed. And listen, you won't be either. If you don't believe, you are an unbeliever. And you'll have your place with all unbelievers. It's not a good place. Mama's faith won't save you. Mama's faith is not your faith. Daddy's faith won't save you. Daddy's faith is not your faith. And you've heard it said, God has no grandchildren. But listen, He is adopting children right now. Every day, He's adopting children, saving hundreds thousands, millions. 
even all who believe upon His Son, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Call more. Call more, Lord. Please call more. And belief, faith, is the key that opens the gate to that kingdom. And listen, unbelief is the only sin that will eternally condemn the soul. Oh, friend. Listen, you should believe. Oh, I can't make myself believe anything. You're right. One of the best prayers in the Bible is this. This man came to Jesus. His son was really sick. He asked Jesus to heal his son. Jesus said, do you believe? With faith, all things are possible. All things are possible to him that believe. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Guess what? Jesus healed the boy. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. You don't believe? Ask Jesus to make you a believer, friend. Pray. Cry out. Jesus, I don't believe. I want to believe. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. He will. He will. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Come happy souls, approach your God with new melodious songs. Come tender to almighty grace, the tribute of your tongues. So strange, so boundless was the love that pitied dying men. The Father sent His equal Son to give them life again. Thy hands, dear Jesus, were not armed with a revenging rod, no hard commission to perform the vengeance of a God, but all was mercy, all was mild. The wrath forsook the throne when Christ on the kind errand came and brought salvation down. Here, sinners, you may heal your wounds and wipe your sorrows dry. Trust in the mighty Savior's name and you shall never die. See, dearest Lord, our willing souls accept thine offered grace. We bless the great Redeemer's love. We give the Father praise. Please stand with me for prayer. Let us pray. My God, I bless Thee that Thou hast given me the eye of faith to see Thee as Father, to know Thee as a covenant God, to experience Thy love planted within me. For faith is the grace of union by which I spell out my entitlement to Thee. Faith casts my anchor upwards where I trust in Thee and engage Thee to be my Lord. Oh, be pleased to live and move within me, breathing in my prayers, inhabiting my praises, speaking in my words, moving in my actions, living in my life, causing me to grow in grace. Thy bounteous goodness has helped me to believe, but my faith is weak and wavering, its light often dim, its steps tottering, its increase slow, its backslidings 
frequent. It should scale the heavens, but often lies groveling in the dust. O Lord, fan this divine spark into glowing flame. When faith sleeps, my heart becomes an unclean thing, the fount of every loathsome desire, the cage of unclean lusts, all fluttering to escape, the noxious tree of deadly fruit, the open wayside of earthly tares. O Lord, awake, awake faith to put forth its strength until all heaven fills my soul and all impurity is cast out. O Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen.